Amherst, Massachusetts. What a nice town. You're listening to WMUA News. I'm Owen Embry. In the quiet suburb of Danvers, Massachusetts, lives the most prolific songwriter in recorded music history. Since the late 90s, Matt Farley's musical catalog has grown to include over 23,000 songs that he's released under 80 different names on his record label, Motern Media. Since the advent of music streaming, the part of his catalog he classifies as his joke songs has taken off, with some of them receiving millions of streams on Spotify. These numbers, along with the volume of his material, has allowed him to support a family, which has made him a black sheep amongst independent musicians currently at odds with streaming's low payout. On February 11th, I sat down with him to discuss his artistic journey, how he balances his serious and comedic material, and how he's handled his rise in popularity. Have a listen. Like being a songwriter uh, is my, my number one thing. I think, you know, it's a, it's a part of the process that I like the best. And when did you start writing? Uh, and were comedy songs always a part of your work? Yeah. Um, yeah, in high school, uh, I started writing songs. And yes, it was always my inclination was would to be go silly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I felt bad about it sometimes, too, because I, I felt sometimes that I was ruining, you know, I'd come up with a good melody, and then I just couldn't help myself. But... Uh, <laughs> insert ridiculous ridiculous lyrics you know so um so you know it was it's it's always a struggle you know and then you know people like the funny songs and so um there's reason to keep doing it but like you know i i think you know i want to write like like bob dylan and the beatles and like like respectable music um and so uh you know i i do still do that i still write the serious stuff and, and not many people listen to it. And then, um, you know, I write the Johnny Poop song, and it gets streamed 150,000 times or something. And I feel like I've kind of found, like, a sweet spot where even in my most, like, serious songs, I always slip a few jokes in there or I just describe things in a way that's a little off-kilter and a little unusual just because no matter what, I try to shake things up a little bit. Yeah, and I know you went to Providence College uh and I was wondering what your music experience was like there, because uh, traditionally most songwriters sort of come into their own during their early 20s. And so how formative was that time for you? You know, I met my friend Tom Scalzo, who I've written, you know, uh, you know, a thousand songs with him, probably at least. You know, I had a little four track uh, tape recorder uh, situation where we could record songs on. And uh, and another cool thing was uh, they had like the music building normally for music majors, but they would let me in and they have these rooms, just a tiny room with a piano in it. And so like a lot of like Sunday mornings, I'd, I'd get up early and just spend like four hours in this tiny room when the rest of the campus was asleep, uh, just banging on, on the piano and, and seeing what came out of it. But it did, it definitely didn't stop from there. You know, I, can't, I maintain that level of uh, obsession, I think, through today. Tom, Tom Scalzo and I, we, we, formed, we're, we formed the band Moe's Haven. That's like the first band that i started releasing albums under we we had this one album called explorations and madness that we recorded our senior year of college and it was uh just basically the whole weekend just <laughs> recording songs and and cracking each other up and the album is 90 minutes long it's this sprawling uh <laughs> concept album 
because we did a 24-hour album in 2002, and then we did an album a day in 2006. So um, there's a lot of unreleased stuff. I mean, a lot of it is unreleased for a good reason, you know? (laughs) You know, we... Sometimes if we had to, it's like, we got to record an album today. Like just hit record and 30 minutes later, we're done. No matter how awful, just banging on our instruments. And like, who cares? That's good enough for today. Mm -hmm. And when you left school, uh, was your plan always to be a musician? And did you think you'd ever like reach the point where you could thrive off your music and movies? Yeah. Yeah. So after college, like I had no like career ideas other than like, I just, how can I organize my life in a way that I can have enough time to make movies and music? And so I, you know, I got a tiny apartment in Manchester, New Hampshire, and I got a job at a a group home for teens um, where, you know, I was kind of, kind of like a, a counselor and I worked the the beauty of that job was I worked three days a week. You know, you kind of like live there for three days and then you're off the rest of the week. And I was like, this is perfect. I get all my hours of work in in three days. And then that gives me four days to, <laughs> to make music and, and work on movies. And, and that's, that's what I did. Uh, but, you know, you know, as I got older, you know, as I was getting towards 30 years old, still running around, you know, wearing bed sheets as costumes, you know, with my friends making movies. And then recording albums, and it's like, people must think I'm a total, you know, like that I'm, I'm, I'm deluded, you know, <laughs> like this, this fool still thinks that he's going to be a respected artist, you know. Luckily, I started making money off the music around then, so it was like I could at least say to myself, like, this is kind of a job, you know. <laughs> and when did you sort of realize that novelty songs could be like a profitable venture? Yeah, um... I think it was yeah 2007 because we had several Mose Haven albums on iTunes and the reports would come in and and it would be like ah shut up your monkey that's one of our songs <laughs> shut up your monkey earned three dollars this year you know and most people would look at that and just say well forget it it's over like that was our most popular song and it earned three dollars yeah. but I looked at it and I was like well. I think people are typing the word monkey into into, <laughs> into the search engine, and uh, I think that they're probably typing a lot of other words and not finding anything. It was this light bulb went off, and um, and three dollars a year. I was like, that's that's great. If I have uh, ten thousand songs, that would be thirty thousand dollars a year. And it really like I didn't flinch at the the prospect of writing ten thousand songs. I was like, of course I can write ten thousand songs. Yeah. And, uh I dipped my toe into it in 07 with um, an album called Dream Girls by Paparazzi and the Photogs. It was all songs about famous actresses. And, and then I did an album about the Boston Red Sox. And I just I gave it a couple months. And they, they were earning money at just just enough that I was like, this is worth going deeper. And, uh, and starting in 08, I was doing usually at least 50 songs a month, sometimes 100, sometimes 200 a month, and just going from there. Mm. And, like, I feel like the sheer, like, magnitude of this undertaking, I think, can only really be fully appreciated in retrospect, but in some way that sort of diminishes it because we can't really see the process that went into it. And I wanted to ask you about the title of one of the Mose Haven records, uh, It Takes a Lot of Guts, and then in parentheses, to be this obscure and keep getting up in the morning. And <laughs> <laughs> Have there ever been any points of doubt along the journey? Um, uh, I, I, no, I don't know. I mean, even, 
even like with our movies, our movies still don't really like maybe they break even right now every time I make a new movie. Like, so I have a certain level of delusion is what I'm saying where I'm like, of course it's going to catch on, you know? And, uh, I think you need to be delusional in that way because otherwise anyone, anyone with any sense would quit, you know, way early. But I'm just like, of course, I'm so determined that it will catch on that. And, and then it's, I don't know. It's like you, you kind of end up making it happen, but yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are dark moments and, you know, or moments where I'm just talking to people about what I do and I can sense that they, they have no respect for me. And (laughs) and that, you know, the minute I leave the room, they're like, man, that guy, you know? So, Mm. um, but I get, I get over it real quick. And, and also it's just like, uh, I don't want any, I don't really want anything else, you know, in terms of like, uh, life accomplishments, uh, nothing makes me more proud than just having a finished movie or a finished album. Yeah. And, what was it like when you could finally quit your day job? Like, was there like a big sense of pride there? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, it's, I mean, it's only been five years, you know, since I quit my day job. So it, uh, it just, it felt amazing. It still feels amazing. And, um, and, you know, I definitely worked for it, but I'm also, you know, also lucky and, and, and I feel so like, grateful you know and because it it hurts you know it hurt five days a week to go in to do a job no matter how much you might like the job it can just kind of wear on you whereas i have uh i have this great luxury where i can be like i think i'll i think i'll work on the script today you know and it's like i can't believe i'm i i can afford to to do that so yeah it's beautiful and wonderful and you know i'm also like this could all come crashing down at any moment mm. <laughs> And I know recently uh, you published a playlist of songs that you want your fans to use to introduce new people to your music. And none yeah. of the songs uh, featured are from, like, your most popular projects. And I was wondering if in some way you kind of resent that your joke songs have overshadowed your no-joke songs. Yeah, yeah. And I, I must, I need to respect the joke songs because they pay my rent, you know? Mm. But um, I get, yeah, I, I'll like if I listen to that playlist. If I'm, if I go for a walk and listen to that playlist, and yes, I listen to my own music on my walks. <laughs> <laughs> but if I do, I'll come back from the walk and I'll just be like, I'll be a little bit angry, and I might start ranting at my wife. I'm like, these songs are so good, <laughs> and nobody listens to them. Everyone's listening to the Diary of Bounce Back. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm the greatest songwriter in the history of the world. Nobody respects me. I can't take it. But but it's that delusion. The delusion holds up. Where I'm just like, I'm like, so people are going to figure it out. And just the fact that I'm talking to you is like, all right, at least one college kid knows who I am. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've been written about in the Guardian and featured on NPR and Reply All, and you've appeared on the Jimmy Fallon show, and you've been tweeted about by Billie Eilish, and now your music's making the rounds on TikTok. And is there like a discrepancy in how you view your music and how the public does? Some people don't know that the toilet bowl cleaners is the, the guy behind the toilet bowl cleaners is also behind so many other songs, you know? Mm-hmm. So part of, part of the enjoyment I think is, is just looking when you're looking at one band on Spotify and then you see, you look at the related artists mm-hmm. and they're all the same guy. Like that's hilarious. How do you think like your rise in popularity has affected your day to like day to day life? And like, as you mentioned before, as like a husband and a father, and I guess as a person just living in the suburbs, because you live in Danvers, right? Yeah, I live in Danvers. And um, I mean, 
you know, it 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 hasn't changed my day to day life at all. Like no one no one in my neighborhood knows about my secret life as a uh as an internet musician. Um I've almost I've almost never been recognized by anybody, you know. Mm. Um and so yeah, I mean it's it's good cuz I get to yeah, I don't have to go somewhere to work, you know. So yeah. I can hang out hang out with the kids, go to the beach and uh and then when they go to bed, I can uh write some songs and and on weekends and stuff too. So uh so yeah, I mean it's this is not the rock star life in in any way whatsoever, but I'm making enough to live in the suburbs, so life is good. Yeah, I feel like one of the most I guess bizarre elements of the Matt Farley story is the fact that your phone number is open and available like pretty easily and you yeah. answer the phone all the time. Like you let people get a lot closer than most artists would really like to. And how do you manage like this direct connection the public has to you? Well, I mean, one thing that I, I, I'm very opposed to is the concept of, like, the untouchable, you know, um, tortured artist, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That there's, like, this whole mythology that you can't create art unless you're, like, a tortured soul and, like, you need a team of handlers who are always, like, protecting you from the outside world. It mm. just, it, it, it's a, it, it seems like a cliche and it seems, like, fake, too. It seems like a marketing team got together and said, all right, here's what we got to do. We got to build up this image of a, you know, of an untouchable artist. And so uh, my rebellious streak is to say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm touchable. (laughs) Touch away. Here's my phone number. Call me anytime. And I'm, I'm happy to talk to you. And there's nothing magical about the creative process. It's, it's, it's just about getting up in the morning and, and, and forcing yourself to create, and maybe if you write 10 bad songs, the 11th song will be good. And also something that I've been discussing with people leading up to this is that in some way I think that like you're living the modern American dream. You own your own label, you make everything yourself, and you support your own family, and you're constantly earning through passive income. And what do you think of that? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, in, in terms of like music, you know, you, you did, this was not really an option even, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago because like you needed the gatekeepers to, to just to have access to, to good recording equipment, you know, and to get your music out there. But it's like uh, most laptops have good enough programs for recording, and, and you can get your music anywhere <laughs> in a flash. Yeah. And I've never been awarded any honorable mention. Can-